1: Yes, it is the 30 Something Movie Podcast and I am your host John Reed. I have with me this evening Patrick, Lieutenant Colonel Canagalo.
0: Lieutenant Colonel. Hey, hey everybody. How you doing, Pat? I'm doing well, John. How are you doing?
1: Good. Good. On on the eve of battle. I am doing fine.
0: On the eve of battle. Yeah.
1: Well, we are we're talking about the movie Gettysburg tonight. This is episode. We are we're marching on towards five hundred episodes here. We're episode four sixty six already. So we gotta we gotta figure out something for five hundred. I think it's it needs to be a a pretty substantial epiversary. So
0: yeah, no kidding.
1: Maybe we go on tour and do a live show. You want to do that?
0: I I think that would be outstanding.
1: <laughs> do, you, do you have the free time to go do a
0: live show? We should go do a live show. We yeah. can, you know, pay our kids. Yeah. Okay, guys. You get extra video game time, but you gotta just sit and clap when the applause side comes up. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm sure um, we could I'm sure we could rent out like a, a conference room at a I don't know, a, a motel eight or something.
0: Yeah, I'm sure yeah. we could rent out a conference room.
1: Yeah. So I I feel like I feel like if we could get ourselves to to Branson, Missouri. Then I feel like we'd we'd have a meet up with the Shirley podcast guys. So oh, that'd
0: be great. That'd be great. So
1: I don't know if if you guys want to ever get together and make a little thirty something road trip down to Branson, Missouri, sometime.
0: Then. Oh, that'd be awesome. And, you know, and it's funny because I got to do that that fun combo episode that dropped last week. Yeah. You know, the big uh, team up the, the the Bond Girl draft. Yes. And it was funny. I was talking to Jason. I'm like, you are like one of my friends that I feel like I I've never met you in person. <laughs> yeah. But like you're like. A friend that I'd think about all the I'd feel like i listen to you, i text back and forth, you know, it's just, yeah. what a what a great thing that would be to get us all to hang out sometime and, well, do what we do, we'll talk about movies and catch up and eat good food and all that kind of stuff. That'd it's like, be great. It's, I like look the forward modern, to
1: that. it's like the modern day equivalent of pen pals.
0: It's the modern day, yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: All right, well, very, very quickly, we spoil the movies we talk about, and this is a four and a half hour movie we're talking about, so there's a lot to spoil although it is over a civil war battle. So if you
0: haven't, I was going to say, man, I was, I was going to say, if you're not spoiled by this, then thank a teacher. Mm -hmm. No, but seriously, you know, hopefully, hopefully we're not spoiling the end of the civil war for anyone.
1: Right. You know, when, when the battle of Gettysburg took place in July of, what was it? 1863. I feel like that's enough time. I I don't think, I don't think there's any kind of like a a moratorium on spoilers for Gettysburg. That's,
0: that's right. That's so, right. Yeah. We'll 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 know when you tell us that your most challenging scene is when the Germans bomb Pearl Harbor, right? That was. And I, then, it, then we'll know. This maybe it was the
1: whipping scene. I feel like the most challenging was, scene oh, was the whipping scene.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. A little. That's a little, little side note. Dennis little, and I were. That's a little inside joke. Were, little inside joke. Dennis and I were, were talking about Civil War movies, and then we realized I was talking about this movie. He was talking about glory mm-hmm. and uh, so Dennis had his wax was,
1: on wax off moment.
0: Yeah. Dennis, Dennis did, but he, he figured, we figured it out pretty quick. We okay. figured it out pretty quick, but right. yeah, yeah. It was like, cause everything he was saying, it was like, we're talking about movies set in the civil war, but Dennis, I don't think we're talking about the same movie here. <laughs> oh, oh, good Gettysburg. fun.
1: Gettysburg. You keep saying that word. I don't think it means what you think it means.
0: <laughs> I don't think it's. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If you have not done so yet, visit our website, 30podcast.com. That has spots where you can leave us a rating. If you leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts, that is probably the most helpful. That is where higher ratings on there, leaving more ratings on there, gets us seen by a bigger audience. So that is always very, very helpful. Um, if you would like to help support the show in that way, that is that is one absolute wonderful way to do it. One of the other ways, and you can do this through our website as well, is to become a co-executive producer on Patreon with us. So there is a link on our website to take you there. And any amount of support on there there are different levels of support where you can have different chances to interact with the show or dictate some of the content of the show or things like that, but super, super helpful. That helps us keep everything going. So if you're enjoying the show and you have a few dollars every month to kind of throw our way to keep things running and, And help pay for some of the costs of the show. That is very, very helpful. But if you are unable to do that, that is absolutely fine. Just share it with other people. Leave us a review. That is also awesome. So thank you so much to those who are able to help and have. Very much appreciated. Thank you to our co-executive producers. To everyone else. Share the show. Let a friend know, you know, we've got nearly 500 episodes. So there's some movie that you or a friend of yours loves that probably took place between 1984 and 1993, we've probably covered it at this point. And if Mm -hmm. we haven't, Mm -hmm. then join us on Patreon and tell us to cover it, and we will.
0: Mm -hmm. We'll do it. We'll do it.
1: So you can also leave voicemails on our website as well. We love to get voicemails. We'll play them here on the show. We'll respond to them on the show. So you can leave us a voicemail there directly on our website. So if you're on there, I think there's a little microphone icon that's in like the bottom right corner of the screen. Whether you're on a phone or a computer, it's on there. But that's a great way to send us a note. And you can let us know. If you don't want it played on the show but you want to leave us a message, feel free to do that too. So we're, we're good either way. We don't really, doesn't really bother us. All right, I don't think I got too many other things for us to talk about. So, and this is a this is a a, a beast of a movie. So we should probably get going. Oh yeah, <laughs> we should probably get going talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this one is Gettysburg. This one came out on October eighth, nineteen ninety three. I was rated PG for language and epic battle scenes. The runtime I've seen a few different runtimes for this one. The runtime mm-hmm. I had was four hours and thirty one minutes. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My understanding is there may be a director's cut that's even longer than that. It has a few extra scenes in it. So I want to say the version we watched is somewhere around four hours and maybe 20-something minutes. So there may be some slightly different cuts of the movie.
0: Director Mm -hmm. for this
1: one was Ronald F. Maxwell. He also did Gods and Generals and Copperhead uh writer, uh, Ronald Maxwell, was also a writer for this. As I said, he did Gods and Generals. Michael Shara, who did The Killer Angels, which I think, believe I believe it came out in the 1970s. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have that book? Have you read it?
0: I have not read that book, okay. but I have. But in reading the history of this movie, that's when I kind of found out about it. But yeah, they did okay. say it came out in the 70s. Okay, okay. He died in
1: 1988. He also wrote For the Love of the Game. Producers were Moctezuma Esparza, who did Selena and Introducing Dorothy Dandridge. Robert mm-hmm. Katz was another producer. He died in 2022. He also did Gods and Generals and Sea of Dreams. Composer was Randy Edelman, who did Dragonheart and The Last of the Mohicans. Cinematographer was Keys Van Ustrum, who did A Perfect Getaway and The Reckoning. Editor was Corky Ellers, who did Gods and Generals and FDR, American Badass. Just the name of that one makes me want to see it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Production company was TriStar Pictures. They did Jacob's Ladder, Philadelphia, which we'll be talking about next week, and Jumanji. The budget for this one was $20 million. The box office was $12.7 million, so it did not do well in the box office. Cinema score, no cinema score for this one. Flickmetrics gives it a 73%. Actors in this movie and their characters, Tom Berenger played James Longstreet. He was in Platoon and Major League. Martin Sheen was Robert E. Lee. He was in Apocalypse Now and The Departed. Stephen Lang was George Pickett. He was in Avatar and Tombstone. Jeff Daniels was Joshua Chamberlain. He was in The Squid and the Whale and Terms of Endearment. Sam Elliott was John Buford. He was in The Big Lebowski and Roadhouse. C. Thomas Howell was Thomas Chamberlain. He was in E.T. and The Outsiders. Richard Jordan was Louis Armistead. He was in Dune and Logan's Run. Andrew Prine, I think it's Prine or Preen, I don't remember, played Richard Garnett. He was in The Miracle Worker and The Devil's Brigade. Cooper Huckabee was Buster Rain. He was in Django Unchained and True Grit. And Patrick Gorman played John Bell Hood. He was in Flags of Our Fathers and Pearl Harbor. I've got a couple little quick trivia things here, and then we'll give you kind of a breakdown if you haven't listened to one of our episodes before. We give you a little trivia, we give you a little synopsis, we give you kind of the oh, maybe 10 or so major moments of the movie to kind of help break down the plot for you in case you haven't seen it or haven't seen it in a while. If you, as always, if you have not seen this and you want to go watch it first, please go ahead and pause. You can always come back to this. We'll be here. Go watch the movie. It's four and a half hours, so unless you like to do those in one sitting, it might take you a couple of days. But come back. Mm-hmm. We'll wait. I mean, not not right now, but you can pause yeah. and, and we'll wait. and We're not going to sit, sit here and wait for four hours, but...
0: John, was this intended for theatrical release?
1: You know, that's that's kind of an interesting question because there are a lot of things about this movie. We'll talk about it as we get into it. There are a lot of things. Okay, we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of things about this movie that makes me feel like it really has the look and feel of a TV miniseries.
0: Well, and again. I remember watching it first on TV, right. And I thought I'd read somewhere, and that's why I was asking, you know, I thought I' read somewhere that the movie was supposed to come out on TV and then whoever whoever the because I think it came out on cable. Was it on TNT?
1: Yeah, I think it Which came is out. Turner. I, I think it was planned because Turner had, Ted Turner had, I think he yeah. financed the movie. I think he had plans for this to be done as a miniseries on TNT, but it okay. eventually came out as a film instead.
0: Okay. Cause I want to say that someone was asking, I know he was quoted as, as saying like, well, that's okay. If it comes out in the theaters first, that'll just get people excited to see it on TV. Yeah. Like it was, it was something like that. So they say that it didn't make the box office. But, but was it intended to go out in the theaters?
1: Originally, you know? no. I, mean, I think originally it was supposed to have been a miniseries on TNT. Okay. But they, yeah. I, I, I didn't. I wasn't able to find anything that said kind of why they changed their mind on it. But
0: yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I just it, it, it's an interesting how it all came to be. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna back out and let you do your thing, man. I'm sorry.
1: Oh no, no worries, no worries. All right, so you'll see where we're, oh so, yeah, so we kind of do major moments of this and then we, we dig a little deeper and get into kind of our opinions of, of the movie and, and maybe talk a little bit more about some of the themes and some of the, some of the deeper stuff that, that goes along with a movie like this. So, All right, some of the trivia things that I've got is we have some appearances by some other famous people you might know, Ken Burns. Documentarian who did the Civil War and baseball and jazz documentaries shows up in here as one of Hancock's aides. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lieutenant Pitzer is played by none other than the Rockahoo himself. Billy Campbell shows up in this one as Lieutenant Pitzer. He's the one, I think it shows up at one point, and he's telling. Is he telling Chamberlain that they have to go? They have to. He's like, I know your men have been here for a while, but we're actually relocating them to another spot. So you gotta move your guys. He like shows up and he's super exhausted and he's like out of breath. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's Oh, Billy that's
0: Campbell. Bill that's Billy Campbell? Yeah. He had to climb this to top. Don't worry, sir. We're pulling you off the line. We're putting you right smack yeah. dab in the middle. The safest place, smash cut. We're going right up the middle. Yeah. I mean, it's just oh it's the god. Safest place on is... the battlefield. Oh, they're oh my goodness. Trust so, me. Yeah.
1: Trust me. And then you actually just got done talking about a you, you just got done on another podcast doing a Bond Girl draft. Did you know that James Bond was in this movie? I did not. Brigadier General I did not. Brigadier General J. Johnston Pettigrew was played by George Lazenby. Really? Yep. I can see that. Yeah. So he was in this. Tom Berenger, who played the Confederate General James Longstreet, wore a beard during filming to resemble his real-life counterpart. The beard was so convincing that Berenger's own mother didn't recognize him in the film.
0: It's fun.
1: This is that there are there are times in this movie where I like to jokingly in my head I like to refer to this as the ZC Top Review because <laughs> there there are so many amazing fake beards in this movie. Yeah, and some there of them a- and some of them look so fake too, but.
0: There's an award, one of the awards it gave, it wasn't a Razzie, but there's some award for most fake beards or something like yeah. that that this movie did get. Hey, and you might be getting to this, but did you get the the Tom Berenger's restaurant he opened up in North Carolina? I didn't have this one. He so much enjoyed playing this character that he opened a restaurant, I believe in North Carolina, called Long Street Cafe. Oh, really? Or Long Street's restaurant or okay. something like that. Yeah, that he named after this character that he played. Oh, nice. The character being a real life person
1: does does he show up from time to time in a beard
0: I I don't know man I, would I don't hope know
1: so. I would hope so like that was the whole reason I used to go to Michael Jordan's restaurant sometimes when, I, when my dad was like where do you want to go for your birthday and my my 14 15 year old response was I want to go to Michael Jordan's because Michael Jordan might be there like, that's awesome yeah okay so maybe we'd go to long Street's and see if Longstreet was going to be there that's that could fake, be it man fake beard that could all. be it yeah Sam Elliott, talking about amazing facial hair, Sam Elliott is the only principal actor in the film who wears a worn and faded uniform. He was issued a brand new uniform for the film, and he called one of the costume experts and said, hey, can you, like, give me some steps on what I can do to age my uniform properly? Because Mm -hmm. this is not how this would look. Like, if I had been marching and in battle and everything else, it's not going to look this clean. I, I need to you need to give me some steps so I can make this happen. And apparently he took the steps and carried out that process in his motel bathroom.
0: Mm -hmm. So that's funny.
1: So here's an interesting thing too. And I know you, you have taken up horse riding here recently. So you, uh, you will appreciate this one. The ground explosions in the movie Mm -hmm. uh, did not make much noise when they were set off kind of Mm -hmm. for fear of startling the horses that were all over the set and and causing them to injure themselves or the riders. And so the yeah. ASPCA actually came out later and said this this movie was amazing. Like you went out of your way to obviously protect the humans riding them, but also to protect the horses and to treat them well and everything else. So they actually you know, cool. heaped high praise on this movie for taking the steps that it
0: did. That's cool. That's uh, really cool.
1: This is this is one of the longest American movies made. This listing says four hours and fourteen minutes. But I feel like the version we watched was four and a half, and they say the director's cut, which includes some additional scenes, runs at about four hours and 48 minutes.
0: That's the one I want.
1: So it is It is the longest, one of the longest American movies ever made. So Fun. you would uh, you'd opt for the director's cut? I would. Would you?
0: Yeah. I would opt for the director's cut, yep. Yeah.
1: The real-life site of the Battle of Gettysburg, which is now the Gettysburg National Military Park, was used for several scenes in the movie, which allowed them to kind of recreate the historical events with a great deal of accuracy. And I think that's one of the things, when, when we talk about movies that deal with history, a lot of times we talk about the historical accuracy of it, and I know that's one of the reasons mm-hmm. that you've said before that you're not a fan of something like Pearl Harbor or some of mm-hmm. those movies is because it's, it's not, it almost like laughs in the face of the historical accuracy and this movie i think does a really great job of of being as accurate as it could possibly be and i think i think the what? fact that you have people involved in it like ken burns mm-hmm. who's who's willing to be an extra in this or who was offered the chance to be an extra in this for him to be involved in i would think i would think that might actually be a little intimidating to have the director of the civil war documentary on your set
0: yeah well i, I... I think, and again, not being an expert myself, but, you know, you read books about it and then you say, okay, well, how does this track? And then we're, we have this great opportunity, you know, you just hop on the web and just go fact versus fiction and, you know, check your sources and let's see what they say about it. And boy, everything I've read just seemed to point that what they depicted here, really, they did a, they did a, a, a real fine job with it. And, you know, that's always the hard part thing is you're trying to make a movie. You're trying to tell something as complex. You know, you talk about the fog of war. I mean, you're trying to tell something as complex and as detailed and as confusing and as large in scope as a civil war battle or any kind of military engagement or, or whatnot. And you want to tell it, but then you got to tell it in a, in a, in a manner that's, that's artistic and entertaining and all these other kinds of things. I, I, That's a, that's a lot of demands and yeah, everything, everything I've read, they said that boy, it just really, it brought the characters to life in a, an authentic way. It told the story, like kind of what happened in the battle. And there were maybe this, technically he said this on the second day, not the first day. And this happened over here and realistically he wouldn't be riding this horse. He would have been like things like that, but you know, that's kind of done to either streamline the movie or make it more understandable. You, you know, I, I think from a, an aspect of bringing this battle to life, boy, I, I was, I was sure entertained and impressed and I, I enjoyed it very much yeah. and everything I found where they were calling, wasn't anyone calling shenanigans on it. It was just like little pedantic things, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like, well, you used Civil War reenactors in it and technically the soldiers would have been younger and more malnourished. And it's like, yeah, okay, I mean, I get that. And that's good that if we need to talk about all the little, then I understand that. But I mean, it's kind of like, okay, well, that doesn't take away from the movie. And what a great thing because that Civil War reenactment piece is such a, a valuable thing of keeping our history alive. And I know that there's a lot of people that, I don't want to say take it seriously. That's the wrong way of saying it, but there's a lot of people that participate very actively in that. And I think that's a wonderful way to get them engaged Mm -hmm. and then get a whole bunch of extras. Like you're watching this movie. And yeah, in one sense, you're kind of like, okay, I'm watching kind of like a made for TV movie, but then the camera's panning and you realize the scope of this thing. And it's like, Holy buckets. This, this movie is in some ways just epic. Well, you know, and the great so. thing about
1: that is is that you've, if you get Civil War reenactors to play the parts of the extras instead of malnourished young Hollywood actors, you don't really have to teach them too much. Like, they mm-hmm. already know how to do these battle scenes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They've been doing it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. a lot of them are probably going to work for Peanuts because just the opportunity to be in a movie about the Battle of Gettysburg, I would yeah. imagine that most Civil War reenactors would be like, you don't have to pay me anything. I'll, I'll just be in the movie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, and so, and again, the only reason I bring that up is just because, you know, I was trying to read up on the thing, and those were the things that people would bring up, and it, okay, and I get it, I, I I get it, but exactly like you said, it's, yeah, like, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, and I, I, I sure thought it told the story in a poignant way, um, yeah. yeah, so I, I thought I thought very highly of it.
1: A couple of other quick trivia things here. Less about the movie, more about one or two of the actors. Jeff Daniels is also an accomplished guitarist, singer songwriter, and playwright. Oh, so other than other than being a great actor, he has also done all those things. And actually, I I went to his website a little earlier, and he's got some like tour dates for when he's you know going to be performing in different places around the country and all kinds of stuff. He's re- re- released several albums. I don't remember how many, but yeah. So that thought that was kind of cool. Did you ever watch, so he, in this movie, he plays a very sympathetic, sometimes, sometimes I'd almost say soft-spoken, very friendly character. He did win a Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Limited Series for his role in a Netflix series called Godless. Have you ever seen that one? I have not. Okay. I think you might enjoy that one. It is, right. he actually plays the villain, in that. And if you've watched Jeff Daniels and a lot of other things, he typically is not the villain and man, is he a nasty villain in that show? Oh, okay. So it was, it was kind of a fun take. I remember my wife and I were watching it and I feel like we watched it not too long after we had watched him in the, in the Aaron Sorkin series in the newsroom. You've ever seen that one?
0: Uh, Only parts of it. Yeah. His famous soliloquy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that part and kind of see. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I my wife, who was a political science major uh, who loved the West Wing and I did, too, you know, the newsroom did for me for journalism. And because I had before getting into teaching, I was going to get into newspapers. That show was kind of for me what the West Wing was for her. So we both really enjoy both of those shows. But he was in that. We watched that one. And then I think not long after that in 2018 we had watched this series and unfortunately i think it would o- it only went one season but it was a complete departure from every other part i've ever seen him in and he yeah. he played wow. a, he played a good villain yeah wow wow you you forgot a few times if he didn't have the distinctive look and the distinctive voice i would not have thought it was jeff daniels mhm so all right, that's all I've got for trivia. Do you have anything? Did you have any trivia stuff that I didn't get to, or anything else you read as you were diving? Well, into Well,
0: I, I found it interesting. There were actually three Chamberlain brothers at the Battle of Gettysburg. Mm-hmm. The third brother was a was a like a, a reporter. I believe he was oh, a okay. reporter, and he was down reporting on the battle. I mean, he was he was a non-combatant of some. I don't think he was in. I don't think he was like a doctor or anything. Yeah. But, I'm almost positive he's a reporter. Anyways, the three of them were together when a shelling started and a shell burst pretty close to them. And I believe it was when they were up in, in, in the, in that treed area. Maybe it was when they were on little round top anyways, mm-hmm. but I guess the, the, the they all looked at each other and one of the brothers said, we better split up because if the, if the next shell comes closer, mom's going to have a bad day, her oh, no. mother will have a bad day. And uh, you know, especially now because the movie, the idea of saving private Ryan and, you know, kind of based on that. I forget what it was. I don't There was some battle in world, world war two. And I want to say it happened in the civil war too, where a a number of brothers all died in the same thing. And then the idea was that the, the arm, they would do everything they could to split the brothers up. So they weren't, you wouldn't lose, you know, that, but I just found that interesting that all three were there. And, and, you know, just another little piece of history, another little trivia tidbit of history. I found that interesting reading. Yeah.
1: Almost a saving Private Chamberlain situation. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But other than that, yeah, I don't. I don't think I have much other trivia pieces to add.
1: Okay. All right. Well, so the next thing before we get into our before we play the audio from the trailer or we get into our major moments, we like to give you a little synopsis of the movie. And a lot of times, because I I do enjoy. I do enjoy a good Don LaFontaine impersonation that I try to do for each of these. In a world kind of a deal. This being a Civil War movie, I'm going to take a a slightly different take on this one. And and it's still going to be Don LaFontaine-ish, but just a slightly, slightly different take. So here's the synopsis for this one. My dearest Clarabelle, In a world torn apart by a civil strife where brother turns against brother and the fate of a young nation hangs in the balance. One battle will change the course of history. From the hallowed grounds of Gettysburg comes an epic tale of valor and sacrifice as men of courage and honor stand shoulder to shoulder in the face of overwhelming odds. As the cannons roar and the smoke of battle clears, we follow the lives of great men like General Robert E. Lee, the stoic and steadfast leader of the Confederate Army, and the gallant Colonel Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain, a beacon of hope for the Union cause. Their stories, forever etched in the annals of time, are brought to life in a stirring tribute to the indomitable spirit of those who fought for what they believed in. So gather round, dear friends, and let us bear witness to the powerful saga of a nation divided and the courageous souls who dared to change its course. For it is here on the blood-soaked fields of Gettysburg, that the tide of war shall turn, and the course of history shall be forever altered.
0: I've done my share. We all have. We ain't gonna win this war. I've led a soldier's life. I've never seen anything as brutally clear as this. This town is of no military significance whatsoever, General. If we hold this ridge for a couple hours, we can keep them away. Well, the boys are ready for a brawl, no doubt of that. I left my spectacles over there. What is the name of this town? If you're gonna fight alongside us, there's a few things I want you to know. This regiment was formed last summer. There were a thousand of us then. There are less than 300 of us now. They were farmers and schoolteachers. We are an army out to set other men free. Gentlemen and laborers. Virginia is not about to let itself be ruled by some president in Washington. Those boys in blue, they never quite seem the enemy. I know. They came from Maine and Texas. We cannot retreat. We cannot withdraw. From New York and Virginia. No 15,000 men ever made can take that bridge. This war goes on and on. And the price gets ever higher. I want this to be the final battle. A conflict that turned neighbor against neighbor. Old friends after war. Friend against friend. Seeing hell, Billy Yank. Seeing hell, Johnny Riff.
1: soldiers. War made them brothers.
0: Courage made them heroes. Gettysburg, based on the Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, The Killer Angels. Does it matter after all who wins? Was that ever really the question?
1: So real quick, major moments in this one. I'm, I'm going to do kind of a quick flyby of the plot of this movie. So I'll do this real fast, and it's just kind of a refresher if you haven't seen it in a while or if you've never seen it at all, just to kind of remind you. But if you know anything about the Battle of Gettysburg, basically, you know this movie. So first, the opening scenes and kind of the context of the movie, this begins by showcasing kind of the, the tense atmosphere in 1863, July of 1863, as both Union and Confederate forces prepare for this major battle. There have been some skirmishes and some other fights leading up to this. Provides the context for kind of the political and the social landscape of the time. We get a lot of debates between soldiers and officers about why, why are we doing this? Why are we on this side? You know, why is this happening Kind of setting setting the stage for this battle that would be one of the biggest, if not the biggest, turning point, or a battle that would would define the American Civil War. Next is General Lee's decision to invade the North. So the Confederate General Robert E. Lee, played by Martin Sheen, boldly invades the North in hopes of ending the war quickly. This decision ends up leading to the Battle of Gettysburg, which is kind of that critical turning point and I know you and I talked before we started recording about kind of Lee's decision making in this movie. So we'll get to that when we get to our our deeper thoughts part of things. Buford's defense of Gettysburg, Union General John Buford, played by Sam Elliott and his mustache in this movie, recognizes the strategic importance of this town and sets up his defensive position, buying time for the rest of the Union Army to arrive. That kind of tactical foresight really helps secure the high ground, which we know is important for this battle and when you're fighting your apprentice on Mustafar. You always want to have the high ground. Very, very important. Mm-hmm. If we've learned anything, you will get at least three of your limbs chopped off if you don't have the high ground. Mm-hmm. So. hmm Would have loved it if at some point during the movie there was just Buford standing up at the top of the hill looking down at Robert E. Lee going, don't try it. Yeah. I, I've got the high ground. I've, I've got the high ground. You were my brother, Lee. I loved you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they, they did try to tell him. Well, and, and ironically yeah. enough, there were some things like that in, Longstreet did try to tell him, mm-hmm.
1: so... Not for lack of trying on anybody's part.
0: Mm-mm.
1: The next one, Chamberlain's 20th Maine Regiment. So De- Jeff Daniels plays Colonel Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain, or Larry, as he keeps getting called, who commands the 20th Maine Regiment. He is tasked with holding the Union's left flank on Little Round Top, and that is something that's going to test his leadership and courage. We get a almost a very much Saving Private Ryan moment when we find out that he was a teacher, prior to this, so not a military man by any stretch, and he's basically been given, you know, his his regiment is a, a, a big portion of them are a bunch of deserters that he was told at one point, hey, you can shoot them if you want to, but they're basically yours. So the first day of battle, the two armies clash in some brutal engagements in the first day, resulting in pretty heavy casualties on both sides. The Union manages to hold their ground, but the conflict... Definitely not over at that point. Pickett's Charge. This is one of the most iconic moments in the movie, and the battle itself is that ill-fated charge up the middle. What I'm trying to remember what movie it was. No, you know what? Actually, it wasn't a movie. I think it was an episode of Red Dwarf, the British Mm -hmm. comedy TV series. There's an episode where they, the Red Dwarf crew, lands on a wax world. That's a little bit of like a Westworld kind of a thing, and one of the Mm -hmm. characters he. He's really terrible at everything, but he decides that he is a brilliant military strategist, and he wants to help the wax people win their war because there's they're fighting with each other. On one side is like Hitler and Rasputin, and on the other side is like Gandhi and Einstein. And so he takes the ragtag group of Gandhi and Einstein and all the all the peace loving people, and he's going to be their leader. And he inspires them to do what the enemy will not expect and have a daring daytime raid over the minefield. Which, of course, does not end well <laughs> for all the mm. wax people. I feel like that's what Pickett's Charge basically is. It's the, it's the daring daytime raid over the minefield because they'll never expect that. Yeah, Let's just charge up the middle. Yeah, Lee orders a th- full frontal assault on the Union lines, led by Pickett, played by Stephen Lang, which results in some devastating losses for the Confederate side. You're you're about to say something.
0: I was going to say, and then there's that heartrending thing, and he—I think it's based off a real thing when he's like, "Hey, can you you know, General, can you muster your division?" Or and he's yeah. like, "General, I have no division." Yeah,
1: that's you're right. you know, right. At, at, at the end I mean, he's like, "Yeah." I-
0: I, I I mean, we're, t- we're talking about things that, like, I cannot even comprehend.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I can't, it's it's one of those things that I I can't imagine that. It's, can't that, imagine
1: that. It, it's that kind of, like, you can see a, a broken person at the end of that. I'm going to bring it to another movie I love, Man of Steel. You get to the end of the Man mm-hmm. of Steel movie, and, and Zod starts talking about my sole purpose in life was to defend my people. And now I have no people. And I I thought Stephen Lang had a very similar look on his face to what Zod does, what Michael Shannon does in man of steel. And that kind of like, Mm -hmm. who are you kidding? I I have no one left. I'm Mm -hmm. the only one left. And now I'm just broken and desperate. And yeah. 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 Chamberlain's bayonet charge. In a desperate bid to hold the line, Colonel Chamberlain orders his men to fix bayonets and charge down the hill at the advancing Confederate forces. The daring maneuver ultimately repels the enemy and becomes a key moment in the Union's victory. We get Longstreet's reluctance and tragic loss. Confederate General James Longstreet, played by Tom Berenger, struggles with his role in the battle and kind of voices his concerns. As we said, there were several instances of people telling General Lee, hey, look, no, no this is not going to work like we've been in a lot of battles before and i'm telling you right now this is not going to work longstreet himself he he suffers the loss of some close friends and soldiers and and you can just kind of see he's a broken man as well because of all this the last little bits here of our some of our major moments are the aftermath you know it it this movie very well captures the the devastating aftermath of this 3-day battle both sides counting their losses mourning the fallen the union does emerge victorious and and you know obviously that is one of the biggest turning points in this war and then we end the movie with lee's kind of withdrawal and his reflection on the whole thing you know reflecting on the outcome his decisions and what led to all of that and and it's kind of a the movie ends with kind of a reminder of the, the human cost of war, heroism and sacrifice displayed by soldiers on both sides. But I think one of the most powerful scenes, and we can talk a little bit more about that as we get into our deeper thoughts section of things. But I thought one of the most powerful scenes is where he's there and and, and Robert E. Lee to the Confederacy, I mean, they kind of saw him as somebody who could do no wrong. And he Martin Sheen does that great scene where he's like, it is my fault. You know, he takes responsibility and keeps repeating, won't let anybody tell him otherwise, I'm so sorry. It is my fault. It's all my fault, all my fault, and it just, you can tell that at that point that is what is going to make this a turning point in the war is you've taken someone who thought they were, you know, invincible and, and, and thought that, of course, we're going to win the day, and clearly just a, a huge lapse in judgment, you mm-hmm. know, and, and you can tell he as well is a, is a broken man by the end of this. All right, I want to get into our deeper thoughts. Did I miss anything important that that you think we should talk about from just the standpoint of like the the plot itself?
0: No, I, I think that pretty much covered it all. And okay. I, I We summarized we summarized
1: a four and a half hour movie in about five minutes.
0: <laughs> I, I yeah, I think that was I think that was pretty much it. Yeah.
1: All right. Let's go a little bit deeper, Pat. And now Deep thoughts.
0: I have an opinion on this matter.
1: Don't mince words, Bones. What do you really think? I like it a lot. Wow. It's
0: very deep. Thank you.
1: All right. The typical first one we start off with is Did you like this movie and when was the first time you saw it?
0: Well, I very much like this movie. And the first time I saw it was this the summer. I think it came out in June, right? The June it yeah. came out. I think I think my, my I was one of those deprived children that didn't have cable. I think my grandfather recorded it, and we were all over at my grandparents, and I watched it with my dad, and my grandpa, and when it first came out. And I very much liked it then. I very much like it now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I will say the first time I don't remember the first time I saw this. I know my my dad always loved civil war history. In fact, I've got, after he passed, he had done just in his free time, he had done just years and years of family genealogy stuff. Oh, wow. You know, I have boxes and boxes in, you know, kind of in our our storage room that we've got. And it's just, it's handwritten research that he did, notes that he took. I think he was planning on writing a book at some point. There was one of the towns, actually the town that when my when my dad's family moved to Southwest Missouri and the town that he met my mom in and, and the town where they went to high school and, and all that was for maybe a week or six weeks or something like that, that little town was the capital of the Confederacy when they were on the run. Mm-hmm. And so they were kind of retreating and, and running from place to place and they would set up a temporary capital until they got pushed back even further. And so there's a lot of, my understanding is as with a lot of different people that lived in america at the time that i believe we had we had ancestors that fought on both sides you know our our family was mostly from the south so i'm sure that the majority of our ancestors probably fought in the confederacy so he he just has a lot of Family genealogy, and he's got a lot of notes that he took on all that. So at some point, whenever I get extra free time, I probably will will dig into his some of his notes and take a look at that. But I know sure. we would have seen this movie not too long after it came out, whether we watched it on TV or – I don't recall going to the theater for this one, and I can't yeah. imagine – I really can't imagine as a 12-year-old sitting through this in the theater. Mm-hmm. But if we watched it on TV, because I, I vividly remember watching the Civil War documentary mm-hmm. at home on the TV – We probably would have done this one as well on the TV. And I know I've seen this a couple times since then. So, yeah, so I've I've seen this one several times. Did I like this one? Yes. There are certain things about it that I think it made me, while I enjoy this one, it, it actually, and it's funny that you brought up Glory before, because as I'm watching this one, I love the performances. I love the actors that are in this movie. But there were certain things about this one that I, I was just like, you know what? I kind of want to just go watch Glory. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I like them. Not that this podcast episode is not going to be about us comparing Gettysburg to Glory. But mm-hmm. I think that as I was watching this movie, the certain little things here and there that took me out of this movie were things that I was like you know what I, I I really love that about the movie glory and I I love this part about the movie glory and there were certain things in this one that it made me think all right well that's cool I like how it was done better in the movie glory so mm-hmm. I don't I, I don't want to say that I didn't like this one but it made me want to go watch glory again mm-hmm. so and, and mm-hmm. that's not that's not to, to not a big knock on this movie but yeah there were just certain things here and there that there were moments where I think some of the production value, knowing that this was going to be a TV miniseries that got turned into a, mo- into a movie, there are certain things about it that I'm watching and I'm going, okay, that's that feels very like 90s TV. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm watching a TV miniseries from the 90s in certain scenes. And, and, you know, sometimes the music seemed a little overpowering or it seemed a little, it just seemed a little... <laughs> maybe coming in at inappropriate times or the volume was too loud for the music, or it was just a little too, a little it, too bombastic it, it, sometimes.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I'm interrupting your thoughts. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, go for it. But you mentioned the music. It was like, sometimes it was, and it was almost like, I would have to go back and listen to it, but it was sort of like a TV, like a synthesizer, almost kind of yeah. uh, 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 kind of a sound. Mm-hmm. But then you'd get some really like, dramatic theme with full orchestration and scoring, which was, which is not your socks off. And what I really liked was all the use of like, basically the pop tunes at the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I really liked, there was one scene and it transitioned almost into like a battle montage. And it started with the kind of like the flute and drum core, like the, like, like the thing that would be playing while they were all marching. Right. And the drums were playing this real, like, you know, like they were playing this really neat sounding cadence and it was playing. Yeah. And then that kind of transitioned into the score and it was really well done. And then you had an orchestra, like a full orchestration yeah. on that Civil War marching tune. And it was like, oh, this is really cool. And then they used that theme, like the theme of that marching tune, they would use that theme almost like a, like you'd use a theme in a movie to represent it. Like they yeah. changed it into a minor and they, and, and it was one section of the movie in particular that was like, Oh wow, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was, in, it was interesting. It, the, the music. And like I said, the, just the dis- discrepancy in different places, the music had a different feel to it. Yes. But, uh, but and I, I mean, but and
1: I and I think that's what, that's what took me out of it just a little bit because there were times where, where I felt like, and maybe I'm a little bit biased, I'll, I'll make my comparison again to Glory, that's James Horner. And we mm-hmm. all know, if you've listened to five minutes of this podcast, I love James Horner. And so I think the times where there were some, and, and I'm trying to think, I, I want to say like, there was a moment where Robert E. Lee is is giving a speech or he's talking to someone, and then as that person walks away and we we have just Robert E. Lee in the frame, and, and then it's kind of like, I felt like the music almost came on too strong. Like sometimes the way TV miniseries music can be a little too obvious and in your face. I, I felt mm-hmm. like there were moments where the music, not for the entire thing, like for the most part, the music fit well and it, it really complemented the visuals and everything else. But there were a few moments where I felt like the music came in and was just trying to grab you around the throat and say, Patriotism. And I was like, um, mm-hmm. okay, oh, hold on. I, I got you. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I know what you're trying to tell me. You're coming on a little strong here. So, and, and only a few times. Like, I didn't feel that throughout the whole movie. But when it did happen, I was like, wow, oh, that's, okay, that's a bit strong. Maybe yeah. maybe pull that dip back just a bit. So not to the point where I was like, man, I really hate the music in this. But where it was just a few times. I was like, ah, that kind of took me out of it just a little bit. It was just a bit too much. A little too strong, a little too strong.
0: Yeah, and it, it, I hear what you're saying. It, it would be interesting to hear or see where it was cut for commercials. or yeah. and, and again, sometimes those things, I don't know, they have limited commercial interruptions. Right. So it would be interesting to see if it was like a couple of nights or two nights, where was the intermission? So, do you know what I'm saying? So sometimes yeah. those musical cues... Maybe we're meant to take you out of it because hey, we're wrapping it up. See you in twenty four hours. You know, it, 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 could a, it could have been a
1: could have been a Robert E. Lee standing there, attorney, and going, Mister Wharf, bum Mr. Bum, bum 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 bum, fire.
0: Yeah, yeah, yep. And now the conclusion.
1: <laughs> Picket eyes to commercial.
0: Yep. Right. Right.
1: All right. So, so let me ask. I'm I'm gonna just I'm gonna start off with a, a doozy of a question here. Is it, and I'm asking this because I, I saw this question in another spot and I was like, you know what? I I felt this a little bit watching this movie. Not so much that it bothered me, but I felt it a little bit, so I thought it would be something worth at least throwing out there for us to, to consider. Is it problematic that this movie really starts to focus in on the Confederate side of things for the bulk of the movie? Now, I know there's been a lot of stuff just in the last few years of you know taking down Confederate statues and, and doing things like that. I think there were even some criticisms at the time. So it's not just a, a 2020s thing to kind of ask that question, but it does. really, the movie starts off with kind of both sides. You kind of you get the mm-hmm. Union, you get the Confederacy. There's some debates about, why secession and why are we doing this? And Robert E. Lee's lines of things like, we should have freed the slaves first and then fired our shots. You know, and, and some interesting kind of takes on that, um, that for some of these, at least for some of the characters in here, you know, that it's not all about slavery, that for this, for some of them it was about their homes and feeling that their homes were right. being invaded and, and all of that. And and right, wrong, or indifferent, that is something that this movie kind of digs into. And then you do kind of, at a certain point in the movie, it kind of just takes over, and your main characters and and the main kind of sympathetic characters are the Confederate side. And you really don't, you you do get a little bit of of back and forth with the Union, but I do feel like that kind of takes over when it gets especially to the battle. You still have Chamberlain's bayonet charge and, and everything else, but I do feel like, and there has been some criticism, that maybe it went a little bit too far. Into the Confederate side of things, I, does that does that bother you? Did you even think about that when you were watching it?
0: You know, I, I, you, you always you always think about those things, and you try and think about like how does this? I do. I don't want to say you do like yeah. I do, and it it didn't bother me. But then it's always like, and I think especially now is I, with everything, like you said, and just statues and all this other sort of thing coming down. I'm just going to jump back and I'm not looking at it from the easy way out, but I, I would think, I don't think the world needs more opinions going in. I think the world needs less opinions going in and more people just listening. Right. So mm-hmm. I guess it's, it's not really a matter of if it bothered me or not. I guess it would be if it bothered someone else, I'd be curious to hear the why mm-hmm. and like have a discussion about it. I, I guess that's where I would go. Yeah. And, and I think, I think, yeah, it's, I can, I can understand where someone would say, boy, that's really problematic. If we're getting rid of our history, we have to understand our history. We have to know, you know, but in the same token, I can understand where someone with a different point of view might say, yeah, we have to understand our history, but we have to look at it warts and all. And we can't, we can't gloss over certain things. And, do you know what I'm saying? And so, yeah. and so we got we got to be careful how those things are being portrayed. And I know that that's even like down to how we label the Civil War, right? Is it the Civil War? Or is it the war between the states? Or is it the this? Or is it that? Like yeah. even that. And, and 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 the problem is everybody wants to jump right away when oh you think that way that means all these things or oh you say that and. Uh, on, on, here, here I go. Right. It's a, it's an us versus them. So I was going to say on both sides. And I think that's, I, I think that's very hard. And so for me, I didn't feel that it was problematic, but I also want to be very careful. And someone's going to say, yeah, you just don't offend anyone. Well, of course I don't want to offend anybody, but I mean, it's like, I just think you have to be very careful because in a time when there's a lot of turmoil and everyone's, already up at 10, I I think less opinion and a me saying, this is how I was offended and more, Hey, how are you offended? Like, what do you think about that? And is there a problematic, do you know what I mean? Like I, that's kind of my in general philosophy on approaching those things. Good, bad, right, wrong, or indifferent for this movie. I, you know, wouldn't it be a lot simpler if it was just G.I. Joe versus Cobra or James Bond versus Spectre, absolute good versus the absolute evil. And it's, I think what this movie shows is that it's, it's more, it's more nuanced than that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, in reading about these guys, like they said, Robert E. Lee opposed the institution of slavery, but he had slaves, right. You know, a lot of these guys were very conflicted about what they did, but not enough to stop the bloodshed. I mean, and I thought it was, was, in some places, I thought it was heartbreaking when these guys, you realize that they were all soldiers together. They were best friends. They were part of the same brotherhood, and now they're all fighting against each other, mm-hmm. Right and like when the one the one general was laying there and he still wanted to see his best friend and found out his his friend on the other side that that general had been shot and he just cr- cried out and z- so i think that that's that's a very human element and and just the whole thing i was left after watching it just it was so sad and i keep coming back to the why why did it have to get to that yeah you know what i'm saying and You know, that's that's really all there that's really all there is to say of it. And so I guess is it problematic? Well, if we're representing characters in a well, they kind of glorified that, or that's a little bit inaccurate, or that really didn't happen. And then yeah, that's where I, I think you gotta be real careful with that. What we see on the screen, that's where, okay, read that, but then read a book or read a bunch of books or listen to try to get as much information as possible before you judge history based. But if you're seeing things brought to light that, yeah, that's pretty accurate how that happened. And maybe those words weren't exactly said, but that was the gist of it. Then if that's a part of our history, then, you know, it, it it could be problematic, but if it's there, I think we still have to analyze it, study it, break it down and, and come to grips with it. Yeah. I don't know if any of that made any sense, but I guess those are my thoughts. on it.
1: No, I I think it's interesting. And, and, you know, as As I think you and I have done reading on the Civil War, and and you know, obviously growing up in the South, we visited a lot of different historical sites. I mean, my, my dad loved history, so we were constantly going to Civil War battlefields or or things like that. Um, you know, I think there's just there's all the problematic pieces that the movie chose not to cover, and I, I think right, wrong, or indifferent. That's that's up to the director to decide if they want to do that or not you know I, I think I think it would be I think it's an interesting choice and I think I think anybody who wants to can debate that as to whether it's right or wrong that if you're going to make a movie about war and have it be four and a half hours so long enough to really kind of flesh out some of these pieces and and spend a good first half of the movie having people debate, the morality of the war and, and everything else, where where it kind of takes off and, and forgets, I think, some of the reasons behind the war, or maybe chooses consciously to forget reasons behind the war, is that it really, I don't think it spends much time talking about the slavery piece. And like you said, Robert E. Lee was, and 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 I even, several years ago when I was talking with somebody, I even... Gave some false information, not knowing at the time that it was false information. And I had tried to argue as, like, no, actually, Robert E. Lee was, you know, he was kind of opposed to slavery and, and it was really just about a state's rights thing. And, and I, I've done more reading since then. And, you know, so many of the historians have said, no, absolutely not. He documented, there are a lot of instances in which he had his own slaves and then he had hundreds of slaves from his father in law's estate. And there are documented examples of him going to court so that he couldn't keep the slaves working longer for him than they were supposed to because he wanted to pay off certain debts or things like that. So that's one of the things where growing up in the South in particular, you, you oftentimes will hear the how heroic he was and how such a great American military leader he was and, and all of these things. And I think what the interesting thing this movie does is it doesn't say anything about that side of his person,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it really, I don't know if I want to say it tears down the idea of, he, of him being this great military strategist. I mean, it, it kind of, whether it's, whether it's pride or it's that he maybe is really not a great leader that everybody thinks he is, the movie kind of almost breaks him down in other ways. But interesting that we spend the first half of the movie really talking about the morality of war and and this war in particular, but we don't get into that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, well, and it's interesting because at least in a little bit that I've studied, I think the different discussions of war and how we see race, whether it was Chamberlain and his sergeant or whether it was the captured rebel soldiers or whether it was the rebel generals or whoever, and it was, I think, I think, that was accurate in terms of like the soldiers, like the, the foot soldiers sitting there walking, weren't sitting there fighting, weren't aristocratic landowners, right? right, But they were still fighting. And so what were they fighting for? And I think maybe they didn't, maybe they weren't fighting for the reasons that they thought they were fighting for. You know what I'm saying? And that's anything like, look at any war and you ask someone why they're going off to war and it's, they'll. They, you might ask 10 guys, They'll give you 10 different reasons, right? And that could be the Vietnam War, the Civil War, the World War II, World War One. It could be could be any of that. And so I think when you had those discussions, at least the the amount that I've read, I think that represents the thoughts at the time, right? Or does a pretty good job of yeah. Yeah, there was there were different thoughts at that time of why this whole thing is going on and why it should go on. You know, as far as Lee. And being great military strategist and all that kind of thing, it's really interesting because I, I'm in no way an expert by any means. But Lee, for a good part of the part part of that war, did demonstrate his superior tactic and strategic ability. And I, in some of the reading I was doing, like after watching this and typing into Google, okay, why did he blunder on the third day of the Battle of Gettysburg and getting all those different pieces of information, you know, they said that he would just, Oh my gosh, study not only the military tactics, but then also the politics at the time and realize he was fighting a war on a political front as well. And you know, why the, why the charge and on the third day and all this kind of thing. And you know, like there were some things that he said, like, Hey, the enemy is here. The enemy's here, so I'm going to fight him here. And I was, I was reading about, yeah, that was his belief, but why did he have that belief, right? And why was there this urgency? Why didn't he just kind of retreat or, or withdraw and live to fight another day? And, you know, they said there were a couple things driving that, and one is he was pretty much dominating the war in the East, right? Like, I think just about every Union general that he came up against he either outmaneuvered or just basically outright pulled their pants down. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was just, he, he was winning quite handily. And I think that he had a lot of militarily intelligent and skilled commanders on his side as well. But then he started to lose them like, like Stonewall Jackson Mm -hmm. uh, was not there. And they say that he was, you know, an incredible tactician that helped him do this and to have the success that he did. And then the one piece that came up in this movie is that General Stewart was supposed to be helping him out with the cavalry and that wasn't there. And that was a big, that was a big issue. That was a big problem. Yeah. And so that there were some problems there, but he also had an urgency because, and this was a, this was a, a lecture or an essay written by a college professor just within the last few years that said, like Lee had this urgency because he knew if the war dragged on, he would lose, mm-hmm. that the South would lose. And so it had to be finished quickly because otherwise it, you could melt away and try to live the fight another day, but y- you didn't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in the West, where General Grant was operating, I want to say that the Union had was having more success in the West um, than in the East. And so that was what he was trying to do was trying to draw more assets over to the other theater to relieve the, the, the Western theater. Right. And so this, this article that I or article, I could say an article this essay I read even went so far as to say he lost at Gettysburg, this overall strategic things that he was trying to accomplish if those were what he was trying to do, he did. And it was like throwing the union away from the West, mm-hmm. you know, preventing the union from invading the South keeping the union army occupied, all these things. Then of course the kicker was at what cost, right. you know, because I mean, so <clears throat> there's a lot of different layers to it. And, and like I said, I, I, I'm not accurately probably representing them right now, but just based on what I've read, there's a whole spectrum of thought of why did he make the calls he did all the way to, it was some big strategic play that he, or it was the hand he had to play all the way over to like any military Leader, you, you can make a blunder. You know he blundered. He right. thought he could push the union off the, the top of the mountain, and he couldn't. But the flip side of that is the battle, the war still went on for another two years. Right. And it wasn't like he was running and retreating for the rest of it. It it basically took, it basically took when they brought in Grant, a war of attrition where it just became a slugfest. Right. I mean, and by, and by saying a slugfest, that's putting it in the absolute euphem- most euphemistic of terms. I mean, it wasn't like, yep, he's on the back foot. now, we've got him. It was like, it was still an incredibly bloody and violent and costly and and terrible affair. And boy, any of our listeners that are knowledgeable in the Civil War, and yourself too, if I've got any of that wrong, set me straight and all that. But <clears throat> again, so much of it is conjecture and what was he thinking? And why did they go this way? And, you know, which is why people still study the civil war today. But yeah, it's, it's interesting because yeah, in the movie we see it. And obviously there has to be an artistic and, and entertainment component. So of course, Lee is going to be portrayed in a certain way and we're going to portray the more human side of him, so on and so forth. But there were lots of bigger, more strategic things at play as well. They even said that his whole speech of this was my fault. This was blame me. Was he was trying to keep the troops moralized because he might have to fight a rearguard action while he was falling back, and he didn't want it to turn into a rout, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it just goes to it. Just what are you thinking? And I mean, I want to say there. I think the battle, almost the big battle that was preceding this was Fredericksburg, and I want to say that Fredericksburg was the case where the Confederacy had the high ground behind a stone fence or a stone wall and they just marched one union line after another into this. And it was the same thing. I want to say it was three or four waves that the union general marched into that. And it was just, it it was just basically marching them to their death. I mean, it was that they just, people just chewed up and it was the same thing marching over open ground. And yeah,
1: from what I recall, it was like almost Oh, what, triple, double the casualties on the Union side from the Confederate side?
0: At Fredericksburg. At Fredericksburg, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. And, th- and so I you have the,
1: you have this, it's almost like the remember the Alamo moment. You have the Union soldiers <laughs> shouting at the end of the battle, rem- like, remember Fredericksburg. They're chanting Fredericksburg, you know, mm-hmm. as, as they win the battle this time.
0: Yeah. Which, I mean, I got to be honest, like, I, I get it. And that's kind of the thing that cycles back to these conversations. Are they accurate or, yeah, the, peon foot soldier that is just going marching off to battle. Yeah. I and mean, are they going to be thinking all these top big moving pieces? Or did someone just come and say, hey, this guy wants to kick you off your land and take your home or change your way of life. And so that's why you're going marching off to battle. Now is that entirely accurate? Well no, when we look back on it or when we look at it from an from a detached standpoint, well not really. You're kind of being manipulated into the propaganda of the moment to get you to fight for whoever's in charge, their higher ulterior motive, yeah. you know, and maybe that's maintaining slavery, you know, but I think that's where those conversations are great. Cause I think they've represented what the various thought was at the time. But again, they can sit there and say, remember, this is for Fredericksburg all they want, but it was, the, it was the union general that marched them in. Right. I mean, and that brings up a whole conversation. And like, I, I was, I was talking with my dad about this the other night. I just said, okay, I know I'm just a band director, I'm just a caveman, not familiar with these. It's like, did anyone think to duck or dodge or take cover or attack at night or go around the side? Or, I mean, and I guess that that, it might be too simple to think that way, but you know, you're also seeing like guys marching in straight lines at each other, kind of the way they did it back in medieval times when they all had, you know, Swords and the volleys were arrows, so they could at least duck behind a shield. Well, the technology had outpaced it, but we're still doing the same thing. Right. Which, which, and I want to say, wasn't the end of the Civil War was when the trench warfare really started. Because I think there was trench warfare going on for a while. Well, that lasted yeah. all the way to the First World War. When right. well, that's pretty outdated. And guess what happened there? Yep. Yeah, a bunch of people dying for not a lot of gains.
1: Tanks. You know. <laughs> yeah. And tanks and <laughs> tanks and so, barbed wire.
0: Right. Well, and that was like the Civil War. I mean, you went in with like muzzle loading muskets, yeah, and you go out with rifled cannon, machine guns, yeah, breech loading, right? You know, yeah. And again, it, it's like, it, it, boy, I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling, but it's like, man, like that's where they they say you don't want to end up fighting the last war, and that's what's happening. We're just we're fighting the last war, and there's a lot of people dying. Yeah, you know. And it's, it's, for what? And that's where what really won it ended up being a war of attrition. We just ended up having more guys, so we just wore them down. I mean, yeah, you know, where's the strategic? Sorry, I'm just rambling on no, all no, the no, no, different no. thoughts that I have watched in the movie. No, you're good.
1: Yeah, and it's that, I think that famous quote from Lee comes from, the aftermath of Fredericksburg, he says something along the lines of, it's a good thing that war is so terrible, otherwise we'd grow too fond of it. Mm-hmm. You know, just as he's surveying everything, he, he's the winning side, but that's his comment at the end of it is, good Lord, like, look what we've done. And there's another, mm-hmm. like this makes me, it makes me think of like some of those famous quotes about war. And I think that's where, when I was kind of mentioning earlier that this movie doesn't really spend too much time talking about slavery or talking about the reasons for the war. I think one thing it does do is, and and right, wrong, or indifferent, it made me think of this quote that I, I feel like I had used this in, in discussing some stuff when I was teaching social studies a decade ago, however long that was, in my eighth grade class. And there was a quote from the British mathematician and philosopher bertrand russell and he said war does not determine who is right only who is left Mm -hmm. and i think of this movie as once we get to the second half of this movie it's not even we've talked about the moral stuff we've talked about the reasoning behind secession or the reasoning behind why we're fighting to free other human beings or whichever side we're on and then you get kind of the second half of the movie and now it's just you know what this movie is now about how war just devours everything in its path. It doesn't matter yeah. it doesn't matter whether you're a confederate, doesn't matter whether you're union to his quote, it does not determine who is right, only who is left. And it really doesn't matter at that point whether you were on the confederate side, the union side, whether you were pro slavery, anti-slavery, whatever. It is more of a movie about look how horrible this is. And look what war does to everyone it touches, regardless of what their ideology is. And that's where yeah. you have these, doesn't matter what side they're on, you've got these broken, devastated people. It doesn't feel like a win for anybody. Like you get to the end of this movie and you know that the union is won, but there's a lot of instances where it's like, yeah, they're not looking so victorious. Yeah. They're they're looking pretty broken as well. So it. I think that's probably one of the reasons or one of the choices that the director made in taking it this route. And, and I haven't read the original book that this is all mm-hmm. based on, so I don't know if it's coming from that as well. My understanding is it's it's pretty faithful to the original book. But, I mean, that could be part of the reason why we're not touching on a lot of the more political, social-type things is because that wasn't the purpose. Maybe the purpose of this yeah. is, it's a four-hour movie. Let's take the first hour and a half or so, talk about the morality of it all, and then for the second half of it, just let me show you how terrible this is. And how it doesn't really matter when it comes to war, it doesn't necessarily, or I'm going to show you how it doesn't necessarily matter what you believe and why you believe you're doing this. When it really gets down to the fighting, it's just horrible all around.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I can see that. Yeah, I can see that's exactly the, the story that they're trying to tell and i mean yeah cuz you think even the end when we talk about the war of attrition i mean R- sherman's march to the sea where he basically just burned everything
1: yeah
0: i mean i mean it was it was just violent to the end and and we're still to this day trying to grapple with you know the repercussions of slavery and the repercussions of the civil war and the repercussions of a country divided yeah. and growing kind of like before, before I heard a historian say it once before the civil war, we described ourselves as kind of the United States, kind of thing, like separate, kind of more of the idea of separate States kind of banding together and afterwards it was the idea of one country right now, not that necessarily everybody agreed with that, but just kind of like the direction it went. And I mean, we're, we're still grappling with that today. Yeah. But you're right. Yeah, exactly. the The idea that, boy, that war, it just, it's just sad, yeah, and violent and awful and, yeah, yeah. That's all.
1: Well, do you is there anything else about the movie before we jump into our three questions? Anything else you want to say about Gettysburg? I don't think so. No. Okay. All right. I, amazing performances. Mm -hmm. Like every single person in this movie, we talked about some of the cameos that are in this, the different actors that are in it. You know, I made the comparison to the movie glory, which has also amazing actors in that movie as well. So I think whether you mistake this movie for glory as Dennis did, it really Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. They both have amazing actors in them. They both have just amazing battle scenes and it's obviously all very similar subject matter the two battles in question taking place just I think a few weeks from each other. Cause I think the, I want to say the battle in, the battle in glory was Fort Wagner. Mm-hmm. I remember that right. And that one was also July of 1863. So mm-hmm. same time period, same everything else, but you know, just in, in so many of these civil war movies, they, they tend to get such a great ensemble you know a great collection of actors to play these parts and i think martin sheen as as robert e lee is is outstanding
0: yeah
1: yeah all right well pat it is now time for three questions three questions
0: let's,
1: let's charge the flanks i think are taken care of let's charge right up the middle and get to the three questions
0: mm-hmm. he asks each traveler five questions three questions three questions I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All
1: right, it is the safest part of the battlefield. The three questions. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Question number one: What is your favorite strategy board game or video game?
0: Oh.
1: And I can Just. already, I can, I can already tell our our, our friend from the Docking Bay Seventy Seven podcast, Dayton Johnson. We know he loves board games, so I can already tell if he's listening to this episode. He's probably mm-hmm. like, ding, 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 ding. He's like, okay, that is my question. I will give you yeah. 70 different examples. I will, yeah. So, uh, Dave, we to... we'd love to hear from you. If, if you have <clears> yours, <throat> then let us know. Yes.
0: Yeah. I'd have to say chess. I love okay. playing chess. I'm not very good. I'm not like a oh, sorry. chess expert master mm-hmm. or any of that kind of stuff. But I, I would say that's like the strategy game. Yeah, capital T, that's the game. Yeah, And I'm very excited that my... Kids play, so I get to do that with them, and yeah. so, so chess, and then obviously all the board. Guys, I've, I've loved playing Risk. Mm-hmm. Risk was always a fun game to play. And were
1: you a stratego guy?
0: You know what? I, I don't know if I've ever played that.
1: Really? Okay. All
0: right. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah, I played Risk before. I always enjoyed playing Risk at chess. I love that one, too. If I were to venture over onto the video video game side of things, the one that I have to be very careful about playing because <coughs> it takes me it's hours and hours to finish a game. The game itself, longer than the movie Gettysburg, is Civilization. Any of the Civilization oh, okay. games, I, yeah. I have to be very careful about that because I can get sucked into staying up way too late and...
0: Yeah,
1: there were there were times in college where I would get done with all my reading and get get done with all my homework at about, I don't know, nine o'clock that night. And this is when I was living by myself and I'd have a little dinner and I'd start playing maybe like nine forty five, ten o'clock or so. And then all of a sudden it would roll around. and I'd be like. Oh, I've got an hour before my nine o'clock class this morning. I might need to take a shower and get dressed. So I, nice. I can't, I'm, I'm much too old to do that now. I probably would fall asleep with my head on the keyboard if I tried to yeah. do that now, but uh, I, yeah. I have, I have, I have problems with that game.
0: You, you'd fall asleep and your head would be on like, oh you know, the chat would be just full of asterisks yeah, or something like that. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, that's good, man. That's good. Those, those game that, those games are fun. I don't know if I've got any strategy video games that I like to play. Yeah. There was another game called Twixt that was fun. It was a board game, hmm. and it it was these that pegs one. that like it was like you build little bridges and you try to get from one side of the board to the other.
1: Okay.
0: And there's certain you're playing with another person, and then you got a good so far, and then block them, and you can let them go so far, and then you can block them so their thing is totally. So you're just trying to. I don't know if that's a strategy game or if that's that's a tactics game. Yeah. But but you know that was another fun one to play as well. Yeah. And I have to apologize for our listening audience. I have just developed a case of hiccups. So my gosh, if if I'll try to time my comments, but if, you know, hiccup, hiccup throughout. go. But if you're not hearing any hiccups, it's because of John's outstanding editing ability.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> now, now we know you're joking. All right. I, I'll throw out another video game that I really enjoyed and I spent a long time playing was Star Wars Rebellion.
0: Star Wars Rebellion.
1: That was a fun. Right. That was that was a computer game. Actually, I want to say they made a board game version of it as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I played the video game version, and it was you build up your resources, you conquer planets, you have you know battles with your different fleets. You'd build it up at a certain mm-hmm. time if you manufactured enough stuff, and you were the Empire, you could build a Death Star and go around blowing stuff up. And I right. I, I spent many many hours playing that one too.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm
1: okay so all right question number two wh- who's your favorite character in this movie
0: i like colonel chamberlain okay i liked i liked him when i was a kid i like him now i like kind of his thing i like how he tries to lead yeah how he succeeds in leading i like how obviously he like i said you know his thing on little round top when that other guy comes up and says "Subs it all but sir we saw your your bayonet charge. That was the most incredible bit of soldier. You know, I mean, yeah, just how humble of a guy he is. It's it's yeah. He's always my favorite character. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, he's going to get a daily double then. Cause it's same thing. Like he's, exactly. he's probably my favorite character in this whole movie. He is in a lot of ways. I, I think of him as like, and I've said this before, it's the reason I like Superman as my favorite character. It's, it's the moral compass of a Clark Kent Superman You know, always trying to be compassionate and thoughtful, deeply affected by the loss of humanity around him, you know, struggling with just the horrors of things, but committed to the good cause that he's fighting for and and just genuinely a a nice guy. You know, you you watch this movie and, and you think I would... One of the other questions I was thinking about asking was something like, if you could find one character in this to, like, go have lunch with, and mm-hmm. talk to them about stuff who would it be i'm like it would be him because he mm-hmm. seems like the kind of person you could still be friends with and not just one of these you know braggadocious generals that are <laughs> marching and prancing around on the battlefield
0: right yeah you know. buford would have been an interesting guy too buford too yeah i that would have been interesting
1: yeah yeah him as well
0: i heard that oh, yeah, i heard ahead. that sam i heard that Sam elliot went method and didn't break character on set as general buford
1: that I heard that as well, and and, and Buford uh, Buford supposedly in reality was clean shaven, and uh, Sam Elliott was like, no, yeah, no, the mustache <laughs> stays. and and the producers were like, oh no no no, absolutely, you that you are your mustache, your mustache mm-hmm. is you. We're not going to ask you to to do that,
0: right, right.
1: Which brings me to and and I didn't share this question with you ahead of time, so I, I want your, your genuine Uh-oh. and honest Uh-oh. answer to this question number three. Why has Sam Elliott's mustache never won an Oscar?
0: That is one of the great travesties.
1: Yeah. Follow up. Follow up question because Sam Elliott is in this movie. Uh, Morgan Freeman is in glory. Why have two of the greatest deep voices in all of movie history? Why have Sam Elliott and Morgan Freeman never done a
0: movie together? I think the answer is, let's just say, why haven't they done a movie yet? Yes. Hopefully soon.
1: Yeah. I don't have that's an answer. I, I, don't, I, I really don't have an answer to this question. I I, I could end up rejecting my own question, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I I don't know. I was thinking about that. As I was comparing this one to, to Glory, I'm like, oh, you have Morgan Freeman in the other one. You've got Sam Elliott in this one. They've never been anything together. I, maybe that's yeah. too much. Maybe that's too much for humanity to be able to... We just...
0: It- it would uh, it would overwhelm us
1: it's a it's a close your eyes Marion, kind of a thing
0: yes exactly
1: yeah so okay that makes sense that makes sense that that answer will be acceptable
0: yes no oh.
1: all right Everybody that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for being with us one more time for this. If you've got any thoughts, if you've got if you want to have if you want to share your answers to any of the three questions, feel free to send those in either voicemail or you can email them in or tweet at us. We're at 30podcast on most of the different social media spots. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, Twitter, Mastodon, pretty much everything. So, if you could find us, we're there. Send us a message. But yes, we'd love to to get a voicemail from you as well if you want to share any of your responses to the movie or the three questions or anything else we've done up to this point. Coming up for the rest of this month, we have got one more movie this month. April is our Location, Location, Location month where every movie's title has a location in it. And we're going to end it with, we've just done the four and a half hour Gettysburg. We're going to end it with the lighthearted movie Philadelphia. Because that because that, that won't be a heavy conversation.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that'll be great, and yeah. then we'll do angry words
1: or yes. something.
0: Just yes, you know.
1: Well, that's I. My wife was asking. She's like, "So, how many movies are you recording tonight?" And and typically pulling back the curtain just a little bit for the <laughs> audience. Typically, stopped, sorry
0: about my hiccups. I don't know if you heard that. I'm trying to.
1: I think sh- I think you're drunk. I think you've been drinking this whole time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's. Oh my gosh, I, I know you well that, enough. That, yeah.
0: I'm trying to mute and answer, and then, boy, I timed that one wrong. So, anyways, yeah,
1: <laughs> that's okay. I, and, and don't worry, I will not edit any of this out. So,
0: oh, I'm, this is going right up there. Okay, so anyways, but, your wife said, "What are you recording?" Well, uh, but
1: but funny funny story related to your hiccup on the podcast is I had to call this morning to make sure that when I drop my dog off at daycare tomorrow that they can you know, clip his nails for us because he's he's. He's an adventure to try to get his nails clipped. We've tried to do it, and and the person who runs the daycare is just so much better at it than we are. So we, we fork over a little bit to have her do that every week or so. And so I was calling this morning to do that, and they weren't open yet, so I was leaving a voicemail. And I sneezed in the middle of the voicemail. I, I had no control over it, and I couldn't hit the mute button on my phone fast enough. So I'm leaving this voicemail, all of a sudden sneezing right into the phone, and I'm like, and, and I was, I, I meant to say, like, I'm so sorry about that. The first thing I said was, oh, bless me. And I was like, bless me? Like, why am I blessing myself? I just sneezed into my own phone.
0: That, that, is, that <laughs> then, is outstanding. And then
1: eventually, I think I corrected, and I was like, I, I am so sorry. Like, that that caught me by surprise. Anyway, Toby will be there tomorrow. We'd love to have his nails trimmed. Thank you so much, and we'll see you then. <laughs> So I'm, I'm sure whoever answered the phone and checked the voicemails this morning got a little chuckle as they started their day.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's just so I'm sorry. I'm completely out of yeah. sorts here. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I'm sure I'm going to walk in with the dog tomorrow morning and everybody behind the desk will be like, bless you.
0: Yeah. That's, that would be outstanding.
1: Yeah. Great. Thank you. So no, she, she was asking, she's like, so how many movies are you recording tonight? It was like, we're doing Gettysburg and that one's like four and a half hours. So just one. And then next week we're doing Philadelphia that's a little bit of a heavy topic, just one. And then I said, but next month, we're going into action movies. I guarantee we can probably do two a night with the action movies. Yeah. I, I, as much as I love some of these movies, I, I can't imagine we will talk quite as much you know, about In the Line of Fire, Demolition Man, Loaded Weapon 1, Striking Distance, and The Three Musketeers as we would something like a Gettysburg or a Philadelphia or whatever.
0: So. There's only... There's only so, so many times you can say awesome in one sentence. So, you know, there's a limit,
1: you know, I feel like with the action movies, you don't need some of these others are like, it's like when you read a book, that's a real heavy book or you watch a movie that's a real heavy kind of story. And you're like, I can't do anything else right now. Mm -hmm. I just need to ponder this for a little bit and just, it's, it's kind of like that. But with the action movies, I'm like, Yeah, uh, we can watch Demolition Man and then, like, spend the rest of our hour talking about Taco Bell. Yeah. Because that's what it is. Anyway, but that is our month of of May is our action movies, and I I did list them all off. In the Line of Fire, Demolition Man, Loaded Weapon 1, Striking Distance and The Three Musketeers. Our Patreons, I think we've got one more Patreon episode this month, and that is our Patreon short is going to be Evil Dead Rise, which I have somehow roped my sister into going to see with me. She loves a good horror movie. I'm not sure she's ready for this one. Like, the more I see trailers for it, the more I read about it, I'm like, my sister might not talk to me again.
0: It'll it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what comes of that.
1: It will be very interesting to see. So, and I'm I'm curious as to how I'm gonna break this down into like a 15 minute review for the the Patreon short. But we'll we'll see how it goes. Because yeah, the more I the more trailers I watch for that one, I'm like, ooh, yes, my soul is prepared. I don't think hers is. So let's uh, we'll see how that goes. But I'll I'll give you guys an update. I'll let you know. The Patreons for next month will be American Graffiti is reaching its what is that? Now it's, it's 50th anniversary. That's crazy.
0: Yeah. And it's 50th yeah.
1: anniversary for that one, 1973. Yep. And then our Patreon shorts for May will be Local Hero and The Hunger. The Hunger is a fun one. That is a vampire movie featuring David Bowie. All right. There you go. So I am always a fan of a vampire David Bowie.
0: That's all the great things. Vampires
1: and David Bowie separately are totally fine. Put them together and it's it's an awkward, weird, quirky mm-hmm. chef's kiss. So
0: that's right, man. That's right.
1: All right. That's that's all we got for this one, Pat. So thank you as always for being
0: here. Thank you, John. I'm going to go like stand on my head and drink water and try and get rid of hiccups.
1: There you go. Try to list off every meal you've had for the last week (laughs) in reverse order. I don't know. That's what we do in our house. We like start asking each other. What do you have for dinner? Okay, and that works. Yeah, actually, oddly enough, it does. somehow i don't know if it kind of distracts from it but that was that was sharon's thing she one of the first times as we were together she i started getting the hiccups she's like what would you have for dinner i'm like why she's like no just answer the question and we started going through she's okay what did you have for lunch this 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 what'd you have for breakfast this this is this and and oddly enough by the time you either get to like breakfast or dinner from the night before typically hiccups are gone so i don't know give it a try there you go. It's it's the from the medical degree that I have. I have all this medical. That's right. That, yeah, That's I, right. I went to school for a long time to teach English <laughs> and, and give medical advice. So. All right. Everybody be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we'll see you back here next time.